Good morning. As was said, my name is John Wenrick, and I serve as the Executive Minister for Start and Strengthen Churches for the Evangelical Covenant Church. I bring you greetings from Covenant offices, and I personally want to thank you for your partnership in the gospel, this gospel that is bearing fruit all over the world. And I want to commend you for walking the congregational vitality pathway and allowing the Spirit of God to speak into you, to not just work in the ministry, but to actually work on the ministry as well. And I understand that you're in this series about becoming emotionally healthy spiritual people. Back at my home church in Crystal Lake in Illinois, we're walking through that same series. And it's been very meaningful to us as a congregation. And I'm delighted that we're walking this series together, not just the Vitality Pathway, but this sermon series as well by Peter Schizero. I think one of the keys to becoming a vital church and a vital Christ follower who is emotionally healthy is a conscious dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Amen? In fact, one of our distinctives in the Evangelical Covenant Church is a conscious dependence upon the Holy Spirit. My favorite word for vitality is the word awaken. Uh, Jesus said to the church in Sardis, you have the reputation for being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. So my favorite Bible word for the word for vitality is the word awaken. Would you say that with me? Awaken. And when we wake up, we suddenly see what we've been missing all along. It's the Holy Spirit who causes this awakening to occur right here and in the life of an entire congregation as well. We serve a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Many Christ followers know God the Father, Abba. Jesus was the first one to call God Abba, a term of endearment. It's like Dad, Daddy, Papa. We know about God the Son, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, our precious one. But few, few Christians really know God the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the only occasion when a church says the Holy Spirit is when they're reciting the Apostles' Creed. The Holy Spirit's kind of like the Cinderella of the Trinity, sort of over there, but no one really knows or sees so developing a conscious dependence upon this Holy Spirit is part of loving God for all of who he is. The Holy Spirit is God. We can worship the Holy Spirit. We can pray to the Holy Spirit. We can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let's talk for a moment about the person and work of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is just that. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not some cosmic, impersonal, unknowable force. The Holy Spirit is actually a person. Now, the Holy Spirit doesn't have a physical body like you and me. Jesus did, but the Spirit doesn't. So the Spirit can fill a human body, which Paul says can be a temple, a place where God lives, a temple of the Holy Spirit. But make no mistake, friends, the Holy Spirit is a person, a person who has intellect, a person who has will, a person who has emotion, a person who wants to fill you and know you 
and empower you for mission. And think of the work of the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that if it weren't for the Holy Spirit who was hovering over the waters in creation in Genesis 1, we wouldn't even have a creation. If it weren't for the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't have immaculate conception. If it weren't for the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't have resurrection. If it weren't for the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't have a church because the church was born. The birthday is when the Holy Spirit came upon those early believers at Pentecost. If we didn't have the Holy Spirit, there wouldn't be a Bible because the Bible was written by authors who were led and moved by the Holy Spirit so that what we have written is what God intended for us to know about him and his heart. And if it weren't for the Holy Spirit, get this, there wouldn't be any Christians because it's the Holy Spirit who regenerates and bring life, brings life to a soul that is spiritually dead. I shudder to think where we'd be without the person and work of the Holy Spirit. See how central the Spirit is, and yet how little talked about and experienced in many churches. The Bible says that when we experience new life in Christ, that when we say yes to Jesus, we place our faith in him and step into this kingdom that is immediate and available, God's kingdom, to all who would put their faith in the work and person of Jesus, The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, when you believed, you received. In other words, at the point of conversion, whether that was a point in time or a process, you received the Holy Spirit. Now, it is at once an initial filling, but it's a continuous filling as well, so that we learn more and more as we grow closer to Christ how to appropriate the person and work and joy Of the Holy Spirit. So it's an initial filling, but that filling continues throughout our lives as we learn to depend more and more on the Spirit. Uh, Sometimes people forget that Jesus himself was full of the Holy Spirit. You can't understand who Jesus is without the work and person of the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, virgin birth, When Jesus was being baptized, the Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. And then Luke tells us that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He came out of those 40 days of testing full of the Holy Spirit, and he was led by the Spirit again. He goes back to his home synagogue in Nazareth, stands up. The prophet Isaiah, that scroll is handed to him. He finds Isaiah chapter 61, and he says... The Spirit of the Lord, the Sovereign Lord, is on me to proclaim good news to the poor. When Jesus sent the 72 and they came back with a good report, it says Jesus full of joy in the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus' body lay stone cold, dead in a damp, dark tomb, it was the power of the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. This was not self-resurrection. This was the Holy Spirit breathing new life into the body of Jesus. And the Bible says the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit who's going to give life to you and me and raise us from the dead. Amen? The same Holy Spirit of God. Now, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. He showed us how to live a life whose body is a temple so that the Holy Spirit could fill our bodies as we follow Jesus. We're to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. He showed us 
how to be spirit-filled, spirit-empowered, and spirit-led. Is this making any sense to you? Are you with me so far? Now, Jesus taught many things about the Holy Spirit. Today, we're only going to have time to look at two. And then we're going to apply them both to congregational vitality and also to individual vitality in Christ as well. So one of the things that Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit is the ministry of power. Uh, We read it earlier today, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Let's put it up on the screen. Let's say this together, shall we? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus, uh, you know, the disciples are meeting there, and it's almost like Jesus says after his resurrection, ready, set, wait before you go out onto the mission. Wait. Wait for the filling of the Holy Spirit, this person who I promised you. And they waited. And then in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down upon that church and it exploded stuff out of the water. Like it turned this cowardly group of men and women into a courageous band of brothers and sisters. And this Christianity stuff, it grew so much by the end of the first century that the gospel was now being preached in 30 countries and almost 39 cities by the end of the first century. How can we account? They didn't even have Twitter or frequent flyer miles. And it wasn't because the disciples might have been ridiculously good looking or because they were full of charisma. Actually, they were full of the Holy Spirit. The word charisma comes from the Holy Spirit. It was because it was the Spirit empowering their words and working in the lives of people when they heard the gospel. It was about signs and wonders that were convincing proofs that what they were saying about this Jesus was actually true and that this gospel is changing the world. Phenomenal growth of Christianity and the only way we can account for that is for the Holy Spirit moving with power in and through disciples. The ministry of power. Second, Jesus taught that the Holy Spirit has a ministry of truth. He said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Some translations say advocate. Dallas Willer said the strengthener. And he will help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. That word counselor, it means someone who can reach down gently into the deepest, darkest places of a person's being and help them to see, awaken, see. We suddenly see things that we've been missing all along. It draws out the deepest parts of who you and I are, and it gets it out on the table so that we can deal with that. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. You shall know the truth, that's reality, and the truth will set you free, that's vitality. So there's no vitality without reality. Would you say that with me? There is no vitality without reality, and this is part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Oh, it may not be as glamorous as the ministry of power, but it's nevertheless 
beautiful, this ministry of truth. And we're discovering that churches have an easy time telling the truth about Jesus, but they have a more difficult time holding up the mirror and telling the truth about themselves. And this is why when you took Pulse, this assessment about your congregational health and mission, it's instruments like these that can help us to see ourselves the way Jesus sees us, because when we can see ourselves differently, we can behave and think and laugh and talk differently as well. The ministry of truth. I've met some churches, they want the power of the Holy Spirit, but they don't want the truth. And yet there's no vitality without reality. It's not just when we share the gospel with people, the Holy Spirit is working in that person's heart and stirring, and in my heart too. It's about helping entire congregations live in the truth in a full and robust way so that we are very self-aware, not self-conscious, but self-aware of what are our strengths and weaknesses as a congregation and how we can become fully healthy and missional. And by healthy, we mean pursuing Christ. By missional, we mean pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. Ministry of power, ministry of truth. Folks, we need both. We need power and truth together. You know what you get if you have all power and no truth? Abuse. Danger. But what do you get if you have all truth and no power? There's no life. There's no passion. It's just a dry husk of orthodoxy without any passion, or as my millennial kids are telling me, all the feels. I have this list of hipster words that I'm using now, so I can relate to my millennial children. Maybe some of you know what I'm talking about. It's so legit. That's key for legitimate, by the way. <laughs> okay, we're, we're connecting now. I love it. <laughs> so the question then becomes, in what ways can we become more consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit? It's one of our distinctives as Evangelical Covenant Church folks. So I want to suggest to you uh, three practices, and we're going to go through these fairly quickly, but we can talk later about them. Uh, first is practice or use the agenda of thirds. Now, do you know when most leadership teams get together or most councils or elder boards and churches, do you know what they talk about? Two demotivating factors, money and attendance. Not very inspiring. But if you can practice the agenda of thirds, that when you get together, you divide your leadership agenda into three parts. Ready? Here's the first part. You ask one question. How is the Holy Spirit working in me? And you just go around the room and share about how you sense the Holy Spirit working in your life. Maybe it's a verse. Maybe it's an answer to prayer, a provision. I don't know. But you don't begin with money and attendance. You begin immediately focusing your attention on the Holy Spirit's presence, power, and action in your own life. Hey, this agenda reminds us that we are not corporate leaders of industry whose bottom line is to satisfy shareholder expectations. It reminds us that we are spiritual leaders listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying to his church and then having the willingness and the ability to follow the Spirit wherever the Spirit leads. So the first third, how's the Holy Spirit working in me? The second third of the leadership agenda asks this one question, how is the Holy Spirit working in us as a congregation and in the community of Hinsdale? And maybe even around the world. 
Spend some time answering that question. All the time, you're going like this in your heart, listening to what the Spirit is saying to your church. And then the last third of the meeting asks this question. Based on how the Holy Spirit is at work in me and in us, what decisions or topics do we need to put on the table tonight? Because we're spiritual leaders, sensing how the Holy Spirit is moving and leading us into our full kingdom potential. Simply practicing this agenda of thirds will help all of us immediately focus in on what the Holy Spirit is doing. I'm telling you folks, it changes the entire tenor of your leadership council meeting. And when people get off that council because their term is up, they'll say, I can't wait after my year of rest to get back on here. Instead of telling other people, that was the worst leadership experience I've ever had in my life. Boy, if they ask you to join that elder board, you got to say, no, it was awful. But can you imagine people coming off your leadership team and saying, that was phenomenal. It's almost like the same, let's go back, please. It's almost like the same thing in Acts chapter 15, when the people came out of that big powwow in Acts chapter 15, should we let the Gentiles in? They had this huge meeting, this great, civil, compassionate, Christ-honoring conversation. They walked out, look at this, say this with me. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. When we set up our leadership meetings with the agenda of thirds, there's more of a potential of us walking out saying this very same thing 2,000 years later. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. That's the kind of spiritual leadership experience that I want to be a part of. How about you? Practice. The and it is practice. At first, it may feel really awkward, but as you begin to practice this, it becomes more instinctive and reflexive rather than awkward. Trust me. Churches are experiencing revival just by changing the way they set up their leadership agendas. It's so simple. By the way, complexity leads to exhaustion, but simplicity leads to fruitfulness. And this is a very simple way towards fruitfulness. There's administration that needs to be done, but you know what? Find people who love to do lists, create those lists, give it to them. But you don't get bogged down with that in your le And when you have some more things to done, create a new list. Give it to the people who love to do those lists. But you're keeping an ear on what the Holy Spirit is saying. Practice the agenda of thirds. Second, here's another practice. Pray the Holy Spirit prayer every morning. Now, there's nothing magical about the morning. That's just kind of the way it works for moi. But I say, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to do in and through my life today? And then I listen. And this is in the quietness of the morning before my feet hit the floor. Because once my feet hit the floor, baby, it's Mach 2 and your hair on fire. No grass grows under my feet. It's just the way God made me. So this is the best time of the day for me where I can... Be still and listen. And I don't claim to hear God's audible voice, but I do sense deep within my spirit a word or two, and I always cross-reference it to Scripture, word and spirit. The spirit will never speak apart from the Scripture. Today, I sense the word, enjoy. Enjoy. John, you're going to Hinsdale for the first time. You've never been there before. Enjoy the people you meet today. Enjoy how I'm a at work in this church and over the history and 
what their hopes and dreams are, and just enjoy the journey today with them. And I am. I've had a great time so far, and it's not even time for, to go yet. Enjoy. Sometimes I hear the word forgive. Because I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to hold on to hurts too long, and then those hurts can turn into resentment. So, the whole, so that whole day, I'm just focusing on forgiveness. Sometimes I hear the word let go, or joy, or peace, or teach, or love. Those are things that the Holy Spirit is generating through my life. And that whole day, my antennas and my radar is up. And I'm just saying and seeing and waiting, how is the Lord going to lead me into the Spirit's Word today? It's a beautiful practice. Look, I got saved when I was nine years old. But it's not until the last few years that I began to practice the Holy Spirit prayer that the sense of adventure and mystery came more a part of my walk with Jesus. Is this making any sense with you today? Now, lest you think this is like a new age spooky process, it's not. It comes right out of Isaiah. Let's look at this next verse. Isaiah chapter 51, verse 4. The so 50, verse 4. The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. And sometimes I'm the one who's weary. And sometimes I meet people like I can share that spirit word that day to encourage them. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. It's apprenticeship language. It's student language. It's lifelong learning. Like I admire Jesus. I want to be just like him when I grow up because I admire who he is and how he did stuff. I want to live just like him. And Jesus had an ear to the Spirit. Use the agenda of thirds. Practice praying this Holy Spirit prayer. And then third, picture or imagine the Holy Spirit working in your life. Next slide. Imagine the Holy Spirit moving in your life. Now, there are many symbols or metaphors or pictures of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit throughout the Scriptures. Let's go to this next slide now. And quickly, I just cataloged symbols of the Holy Spirit in the living Word. Look, sometimes the Holy Spirit is like wind. Billy Graham said you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's a symbol coming right out of the Word. Breath, the breath of God blowing into the valley of dry bones and raising these dry bones back to life. How's that for vitality? Rain, new birth, streams of living water, fire, anointing. Every time you see the word anointing, think of oil because that's how the anointing was done. Oil was poured on the brow. The dove that landed upon Jesus at baptism, the spirit descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove, and wine. Do not get drunk with wine, but be inebriated with the Holy Spirit. By the way, in vino veritas, Latin for uh, in wine, there is truth. It's kind of like a truth serum. So as we're filled up with the wine, stay with me now, I'm speaking metaphorically here. As we're filled up with the wine of the Spirit, we're able to tell the truth about who we are, who Jesus is, so that we can live a genuine and authentic life. Here's what I've learned about millennials and Gen Xers. They look at all these boomers and say, you are way too plastic. You are way too into image and making yourself look good. 
And when we begin to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we're able to tell the truth about the kind of life we're living. Is it genuine? Is it authentic? Or are we being imposters? Just a thought. So to help us do this, and we're actually going to practice this today after each service ends, but in the vestibule or courtyard, I don't know what you call it. What do you call it? Garden Garden Court. Beautiful. That's a beautiful name. So there are many pictures that my son Joel took. All my children live in Portland. He took these. I also consult with churches in Germany, and so they gave me some too. So all the pictures that you'll see in the garden courtyard today are from Germany and Oregon. And what I want to invite each one of you to do, and you can keep the picture that you choose. Please do. It's our gift to you today. Uh, And just pick a picture that answers this question. How do I sense the Holy Spirit moving in my life or in my family or in my work or in my church or in my community? And then just linger and look at, there are many different tables with many different pictures, and just ask the Holy Spirit to lead you to a picture that really connects with how the Holy Spirit's working in your life. And then, please share it with another person, like here's why I selected this particular picture. So see this one? So I'm going to meet with a friend, and this is what I would say. You're my big friend today. You know, this picture really means a lot to me because I just changed jobs from being the director of Congregational Vitality to being the executive minister of Starting Strength in Churches. So I really do feel like I'm in a transition, and it's a heavy load because I'm learning new things about how to do this role well in a Christ-honoring way. But I know that I'm not alone in this transition. I know that the Holy Spirit is with me, empowering me, helping me tell the truth. And the Holy Spirit's bringing around me now a team of five-star leaders who are so on fire for Jesus and so called and gifted. I mean, it's an awesome journey. So that's it. That's why I chose this picture. And I'm going to keep this picture in my Bible or on my dashboard or right in my mirror in the bathroom or dresser in my bedroom, just as a reminder of picturing how the Holy Spirit is working in my life. And you can take this home and keep it today. Now, some of you might know of a man named R.G. Letourneau. Have you ever heard of R.G. Letourneau? He made these huge earth movers. He was like the first person before caterpillar bulldozers came around, like, He played with these things as a kid, and then he made tire, these things. World War II, most of the earth-moving equipment in World War II in the European theater and in Asia was built by R.G. Letourneau. And this guy was an amazing man, Christian, God's Christian businessman, he was called. He he was so wealthy, guess what? He gave 90% to the Lord, and he only kept 10% for himself. It's called a reverse tithe. He started Christian Businessmen's Association. Amazing. My son went to his university to be a pilot in Longview, Texas. And I'm going to close with this. This guy was amazing. Knew Billy Graham, consulted with presidents. Just a real, authentic Christian businessman. He's one of my heroes. So in the, in the um, university, there's a museum dedicated to R.G. Letourneau. So one day I had some time, and I just, I love going to museums. And... And there was a picture of him at his 80th birthday party. And all these reporters had come. And this one young reporter says, R.G. Letourneau, what were the best 10 years of your life? And you know what he said? The next 10 years. Wow. What a guy. 
What a Christ follower who's full of the Holy Spirit. Listen, friends, if your memories are bigger than your dreams, you've already begun to die. But if your dreams are bigger than your memories and empowered by the power and truth of the Holy Spirit, I can assure you the best is yet to come. Amen? Father, thank you so much for this church. Lord Jesus, you're the head of this church. Holy Spirit, you're empowering this church for mission. Help this church to live fully into the truth of who you are, who they are, and the truth of the gospel. And we pray that you will continue, Lord, to keep your hand upon these people, that they would know you and love you and feel you and sense you and develop a more conscious dependence upon your Holy Spirit. And everyone in agreement said, Amen.